When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Good morning and welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Got a lot to talk about because we've got NBA and, of course, the beginning of the NFL playoffs. Obviously, in the NBA, the talk of the town and just basically the league in general is James Harden. I mean, Harden, again, burying the Warriors uh, Thursday night with a 44-point, 10-rebound, 15-assist game, including a game-winning three-pointer with uh, Draymond Green and Klay Thompson draped over him. Uh, obviously everyone's talking about how dominant Harden has been this year, but we're getting a little bit crazy with some of the talk because Rockets GM Daryl Morey uh, basically said the following, you can make a, uh, you could argue for him as the best offensive player of all time. Let's be clear, Harden is having another MVP season, uh, well-deserved, he, he's going off, he's averaging 33 points a game. But let's be clear about the rationale behind how those points are getting gathered. Harden is an expert at baiting teams into fouling him. He flops all the time. And he hooks people. I mean, it's not as though it's uh, unwarranted because with the NBA rule changes that came into effect once David Stern got ticked off with the league product of watching the Spurs and Pistons engaged in a seven-game uh, uh, seven series that was a rock fight the entire way through over a decade ago. He made sure to get rid of hand-checking and any other form of defense you could play uh, in the league uh, to make it a point-guard-driven league. And he's gotten... Uh, they've, the NBA got what they wanted. I mean, Harden, tr- uh, true uh, to form, has actually perfected the science. I mean, you started seeing it with Steve Nash... And, and like an AI, but like teams have started to figure out if you can't, uh, you can't face guard someone, you can't, you can't put your hands on them and they're constantly jumping into you or in Harden's case, they per, uh, also have prevented, uh, you from being able to prevent them from driving to the hoop. And also, uh, by giving them space, they could just do a step back three pointer right in your face and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, at this point, Harden is actually, in fact, unguardable because you will foul out of more contests the more you try to challenge. 
The only way to get Harden off his game right now is to just deny him the ball entirely and just be comfortable with the fact that you're going to give up 30-plus points to the likes of Austin Rivers or Gerald Green because that's really what's going to take. You're going to have to deny Harden the ball as much as humanly possible and just hope that uh, the other guys don't absolutely crush you because at this point, uh, Harden has scored... Uh, 40 points in five consecutive games, and the only guys who actually do that in league history are Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and Allen Iverson uh, in the past 50 years. Again, this is uh, two guys in the modern era, uh, and I and I kind of move, and I say modern era because I say the Jordan years, again, when you can actually play defense and hand check folks, it's a different period in NBA history. You have to take it into context as to how things are going. So uh, I would say in terms of the league right now, you've got Harden uh, doing things that no one else is doing because uh, based off of the stats alone, Harden has now drained 100 step-back threes this season. Now, the guy in second place is one of my personal favorites, Luka Doncic, who is the NBA Rookie of the Year. It's not close. But Doncic is second, but with 28. I, I mean... Again, Harden is just doing things that other guys in the league are not able to do. They don't have that kind of repertoire. So, you know, Harden says it's a lot of hard work, and you have to kind of believe him because, you know, he's he's kind of doing a, a similar motion of, uh, of uh, setting up his offense in ways that, you know, realistically you don't really see that much of because – and that's what makes it so hard to defend against because not a lot of guys are – have his kind of moveset. He kind of uses that old man game on you. But, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, but, um, yeah, Harden right now is making an easy case for MVP again this year. Uh, I would say Giannis uh, is also right up there. I mean, obviously you can make cases for LeBron as usual and Kawhi Leonard uh, up in Toronto. Uh, although Kawhi had a rude uh, welcome home back uh, to San Antonio the other night, but I fully expect the Raptors to bounce back. But anyway, let's get into the NFL action uh, coming up uh, later today. Obviously, we had the wild card round and some interesting matchups, to say the least, because I, I kind of look at this slate as a couple of games that, you know, the lines don't quite make a whole lot of sense. So I'll, I'll just kind of parse through it, and uh, we'll take it from there. So the first game up, we've got the Houston Texans hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Texans are favored by, uh, and depending on your uh, the sports book you're looking at, they could be favored by one, they could be favored by one and a half, they could be favored by two points. But realistically, the Texans are not clearly favored because usually when you see a line where it's less than three points, that means folks don't trust the home team in terms of uh, the odds makers, and that's why the line's so low. Uh, to me, this is a clear case that the Colts are a better team than the Texans. Uh, I mean, the only reason why the line is favoring the Texans is because they're the home team. And I'll get to another line that didn't quite make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, the the long and short of it is, is that, you know, uh, the Texans, even though they came in with an 11-5 record. They played one of the easiest schedules in the NFL, if not the easiest. It depends on how you want to uh, rate out uh, 
the actual strength of schedule uh, metric. Uh, they they have different measures, but uh, regardless, so like they're in the I would say bottom three or top three, depending on how you look at it, in terms of easiest schedules. It, it really was a cakewalk. So the winning streak the Texans went on, realistically, they were all playing bottom feeding teams. So again, making the playoffs should have been a given for this squad. The problem is, is that the way they got there still kind of shows a lot of the uh, problems with this team. I love Deshaun Watson, don't get me wrong. But my issue uh, with this team, and I've addressed it before, I have severe uh, doubts about the uh, coaching ability of Bill O'Brien, and I have no confidence in this defense being able to show up. Despite the fact that they've got Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt, this defense consistently struggles to get pass rushes when they should be able to get a pass rush. And the run stopping isn't really up to uh, snuff as much as one would like. So I still think that there's a a way for uh, Marlon Mack on the Colts to actually have a pretty productive day today. I'm not entirely sold on the Texans uh, just from the standpoint of I think they can be hurt uh, with screen games and I think they can be hurt by the deep ball as well. And as I said, the run game, yes, it looks good in spots, but they've been gassed on the run at times this season, too. So, you know, there are numerous factors here, but I definitely would be taking the Colts here. But the one thing I, I will say about this game is that this should be the highest-scoring game of the weekend. I'll be slightly surprised if it doesn't end up being the highest-scoring game. Uh, it's got the highest uh, uh, point total at 48.5. I actually expect that uh, total to be over. I do think between these two teams, uh, they'll be able to air the ball out. And I have confidence in Deshaun Watson being able to find ways of getting DeAndre Hopkins the ball. Uh, you know, in the NFL uh, this season, Hopkins had over 115 catches and zero drops. And yeah, maybe I just jinxed him, but the man just balled out the entire year. And I just think that we're going to see a show between him and uh, T.Y. Hilton today. I, I Hilton uh, has torched the Texans in both matchups this year. I expect more of the same today. Realistically, the secondary is the weakest part of uh, Houston's defense, and there's nothing about this game today that tells me that the Texans have figured out a way of stopping Andrew Luck. Uh, The Colts are going to throw the ball. We know this, uh, and I do think between Marlon Mack and Naheem Himes, the Colts are going to find success with the running game as well. So I just think that the Colts are too balanced on offense, and that's what carries them through to the next round. Uh, You know, realistically, the NFL would be pushing for a Colts-Chiefs matchup just because, I mean, Andrew Luck versus uh, Patty Ice, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, I mean, that sell, sells TV right then and there. I mean, there's no getting around it. So, uh, obviously, with the Colts being a 60, they, they would uh, play the Chiefs outright if uh, they were to prevail today. And, you know, if the Texans win, then they, they're automatically locked into playing uh, – they're automatically locked into playing uh, uh, the uh, Patriots. So, uh, should be an interesting uh, matchup, uh, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes uh, uh, today. But uh, I'm curious, uh, curious to see how uh, the Texans respond because you know, as I said, they have been perennial pretenders for a number of years now. This is the fifth time in eight years 
the Texans have played the Saturday uh, Saturday wild card matchup, and each time the Texans find ways of looking even more pitiful than the last. And yes, I know there are quarterback injuries and different excuses you can label on it, but you know, at a certain point, a team just has to step up and get it done. And that's really all I'm looking for here. I'm looking for the Texans to actually show me something uh, that gives me a reason to believe in them. Moving things over to the nightcap, obviously we've got Seattle traveling to Dallas. The Cowboys are a two-point favorite, which is surprising to me because, you know, again, we've seen this time after time. The Cowboys are a better home team than a road team. So, to me, I understand why folks have concerns about the Cowboys showing up for certain games, but not at home. At home, the Cowboys are actually a pretty uh, well-balanced squad. The defense plays much better. The offense plays better. I, I, I look at this as a game where the Cowboys should have been a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Just from a valuation standpoint, I would have to take the Cowboys in, in this spot. Not because I'm going to bash Seattle, but you know, on the basis of both teams, you got run-heavy teams. Obviously, Seattle has the edge in the quarterback battle with uh, outside throws. But you got two very good defenses. So I don't really see Seattle being able to generate enough offense to realistically give Dallas uh, enough uh, trouble down the stretch. Because the way you kind of beat the Cowboys is you kind of get them out of their element. So Seattle would have to force turnovers and be able to score points off of every turnover in order to put Dallas in a spot where they're going to abandon the run game. Uh, You know, to me, this is a straightforward game of uh, Dallas is going to run the ball with Zeke. They're going to play action and try to take a couple of shots down the field with Amari Cooper. Uh, They're not going to waste time trying to do the intermediate passing game. So uh, as much as uh, some folks would say, you know, if they use Cole Beasley, I I really don't think that's it's going to be that kind of game plan for uh, Dallas. I, I think they're really going to just kind of concentrate on giving Zeke as many carries as possible and, you know, try to uh, move the needle that way so they can they can open up some shots down the field against uh, Seattle secondary, which is very good, but uh, uh, Shaquille Griffin has been beat uh, throughout the season, so I think they're going to try to get uh, some matchups with uh, Amari Cooper against uh, uh, Griffin. So, uh, you know, in terms of the matchup itself, it's a 43-and-a-half line. And outside of the Colts-Texas game, I think the rest of these playoff games are going to go under. Typically, uh, the scoring in playoff games drops off from the regular season. Uh, usually, you get like one crazy wildcard game. But more often than not, it tends to be more balanced in terms of the over-under numbers. Uh, and I, I have to kind of lean towards uh, uh, that mind uh, mindset. I, I just think between the amount of runs that Dallas and Seattle will uh, carry out uh, this evening, it's going to shorten the game up tremendously, and you're just not going to have enough possessions by both squads to uh, put up 44 uh, points or more. I, I just look at this as a game where Dallas ekes out a victory by a field goal, and again, with it being a, mi- a minus two spread, I just think that the the valuation just works out uh, uh, far better for Dallas. It's it's hard to kind of get off that line. Moving on to the Sunday matchups, 
We've got the Ravens playing the host to the Chargers who are, I mean, in terms of teams that got screwed by the NFL, the Chargers really should be the ones complaining because you got the Chargers flying from the West Coast to play a 1 o'clock game Sunday in Baltimore. Why the Chargers are playing Sunday early afternoon when they could have just taken one of the Saturday night slots, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know how they set up the TV money. I mean, to me, Dallas would have made more sense as the primetime matchup uh, on Sunday at 4 o'clock. And then you could have just had uh, the Chargers and Ravens uh, uh, play uh, either either that 4 o'clock game on Saturday and and then uh, you have the Eagles-Bears Saturday and then uh, you slide the Texans and Colts uh, uh, to early early Sunday. But, you know, I, I just don't. I don't really get how the Chargers ended up getting the short end of the stick here because, again, a 1 o'clock game on the East Coast is going to be 10 a.m. Pacific time in terms of uh, their body clocks. It's, it's just not really a fair ask of a team, especially when you had more than enough time to set up these uh, playoff schedules to at least balance it out for uh, the rest of the squad's uh, uh, traveling. I mean, Seattle got the late night, uh, the evening game slot, so... It, it's just a, it's a, it's a rough draw in my opinion. Uh, if you're a Chargers fan, but be that as it may, uh, looking at the Chargers here, they are uh, three point underdogs to the Ravens. You know, really tight game here, uh, forty one and a half uh, total, and I'm, I'm kind of gauging this from the standpoint of if Melvin Gordon were healthy people would be more in favor of the Chargers. And I know Baltimore came into San Diego, played the tails off, and just took it to the Chargers and got the W. I, I get it. I get it. There's not, there's, I'm not going to dispute that. The one concern I have with Baltimore is the fact that they played about as well as they could play against the Chargers. Because, again... When you're playing against uh, the offense uh, the Ravens have with Lamar Jackson, it is very hard to prepare for. But the benefit that Baltimore has on most teams is that other teams haven't really seen it, and so they couldn't prepare for it. The Chargers have seen it already uh, in the past month. So it takes away the element of surprise. So... I, I look at that as a, as a game where, you know, the Chargers can find a way to steal this one and get the W just from the standpoint of I can see the Chargers defense being more ready to go to stop uh, the Ravens' rushing attack because even in their first encounter, the Ravens were not able to rush for 200 yards uh, against the Chargers, uh, whereas they've been able to do that against every other squad. Uh, this year, so again, I look at uh, I look at the uh, the matchup here, and I just I don't necessarily see as much of an advantage for the Ravens as other folks have done. And you know, one of the other things that I would say about this is the fact that you know if we're 
if we're looking at the um, tail of the tape, it's still uh, a bit of a it's a it's a bit it's a bit of a adjustment curve for the Ravens because you know you got a rookie making his first uh, playoff start in uh, Lamar Jackson, and you know I don't really know if the Ravens are going to be able to put up enough points to get it done against the Chargers. And believe me, I am well aware of Phillip Rivers choking in the postseason. Uh, You don't have to tell me twice about Rivers choking in the postseason and finding ways of, of losing, uh, losing out on, um, on golden opportunities in the playoffs. But the one thing I'll say here is that usually the big, uh, the big uh, choke job for that you see out of Rivers at times in the postseason happens later on, not in the wild card round. So he usually has a solid wild card round. It's the subsequent matchups in the postseason that draw some concern. So I, I look at this as a game where I think the Chargers managed to eke it out. This screams uh, more of a twenty to seventeen kind of game to me with the Chargers prevailing. You know, I could end up being wrong, but I, I just look at this as a case where uh, the Chargers find a way of getting it done and the under hits on this one. And finally, we have the matchup that not many people were expecting a couple of weeks ago. But it's the Bears hosting the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have been an absolute mess this season with Carson Wentz in and out of the lineup with injury. You got Nick Foles who couldn't look uh, who couldn't move the ball down the field to save his life to begin the year. All of a sudden has turned a light switch on and has been somewhat passable at least. Nick Foles is still an average at best QB in my opinion and he can only play one system. Uh, in terms of getting the ball out of his hands and vertically down the field. He can't do any other NFL systems. But for the purposes of this matchup, we have to consider the fact that every single wide receiver on the Bears is dealing with some type of injury. And we may have Allen Robinson cleared to go. We may have Taylor Gabriel to clear to go. But Anthony Miller's banged up. You've, you've got a bunch of injuries among the wide receivers for the Bears. From a catching uh, standpoint, you're looking at Tariq Cohen because Jordan Howard's, you know, he's caught a couple of balls, but it's still not his natural uh, natural position if, if you're going off of uh, the game tape. And, you know, Trey Burton has been... In and out, in and out, and in and out of the offensive game plans week after week this season. So he'll go weeks at a time without catching a pass, and that's just the way it goes. Now, I look at this game as a case where Philly should lose this game, but I don't see enough out of the Bears where they're absolutely planning on taking uh, taking uh, this matchup and rolling on into the, and the, into the postseason. The Bears come across as more happy that thing uh, it uh, it worked out this year, but they never really made a true commitment to this squad to 
improve the offense uh, significantly uh, with some uh, additional free agents uh, outside of Robinson and Burton. Now, at the end of the day, the Bears are always going to hang their hat on their defense. But uh, I have to say that, you know, I really do see the Bears struggling to put up a ton of points against Philly. So this is uh, the kind of matchup where, again, I would not be surprised if this was a 20-17 to 17 game. But the issue is that from uh, every metric, the Bears offense is so hot and cold that I would not be shocked if Philly holds the Bears under 20 points. And at that point, it's a crapshoot uh, because you know Philly is going to try to push the ball down the field. You don't uh, know if uh, they're going to get penalty calls. And that's always the uh, mix. So, again, I would say look to see how the referees are calling pass interference tomorrow because that's going to play a big role as to how the uh, Bears were able to uh, uh, play their defense. So, if it's getting called tight, you definitely could see uh, some some concerns on the Bears' sideline as to uh, what they should be doing next, because again, I've seen Matt Nagy cost the Bears multiple games this year for decisions that were head scratchers. But on the on the whole, folks are happy because the Bears have been winning games this year. I just look at it as more of a reflection of the talent that's currently on the squad rather than uh, the actual head coach himself. But we shall find out uh, as we progress further and uh, to the playoffs because. Uh, it is an interesting mix of games, uh, I have to admit. And, you know, even with uh, uh, making, a, uh, making a case for these teams, you know, I could say that uh, there is a path for them to each reach the Super Bowl. It gets difficult at times, but I, I, I do feel as though uh, you should have some competitive games throughout the uh, playoffs uh, this weekend. So, uh, we'll see how the games go today and uh, uh, also tomorrow. So uh, in terms of the DFS lineups, uh, let's get into those quickly. With it being a four-game slate, it's really hard to kind of mess around with uh, the lineup. So you got to have a kind of clear picture in your mind as to how you want to go with uh, certain routes because it, it is extremely limited given the player pool size uh, uh, this weekend. So, on both DraftKings and FanDuel, I think the number one play at QB this week, uh, weekend, weekend rather, is Andrew Luck. You know, I can't really find another excuse not to play him. He's 8400 on uh, FanDuel, 6400 on DraftKings. You know, the only other play you can really go with and, and just... Say that uh, value-wise, you're you're gonna get uh, more bang for your buck. Uh, is uh, trying to play Watson and see if the Texans can uh, get a couple of big hitters against the Colts' uh, defense. But uh, outside of that, you know, those are the top two plays. Uh, the other the other guys, you know, I'll probably play a few lineups with Trubisky, but those are just more differential shots just to separate myself from a pack uh, based off of the core build that I have in mind uh, more than anything else. It's it's not uh, indicative of uh, where I'm getting value at uh, anywhere else uh, 
on in the lineup. So uh, at QB, it's uh, it, it's going to be a concentration of that uh, Indy Houston game, and then a little side uh, side li- a few side lineups with Trubisky, but that's about it uh, as a one off. But um, at running back, uh, this is a Ezekiel Elliott week. I mean, you can get cute and try to fade Zeke, but you know. Odds are you're going to have to have Zeke in your lineup. Uh, he's uh, 8,800 on uh, FanDuel, uh, DraftKings. Uh, he should be running uh, at around uh, uh, nine grand, and you know it's set it and forget it. Uh, you know, I, I I was trying to find another way of going about it. Uh, the only other play you can try to do. If you were doing a premium player, is Melvin Gordon as a differential and fade Zeke by using Gordon instead and uh, try to zig where other guys are zagging. But uh, I just think it's too cute of a play. Uh, if I was going to do that, I would rather just line up both Zeke and Melvin Gordon and just pay up at running back because I, uh, there are some cheap wide receiver options to go with. So uh, that's where I'm. I would be leaning towards uh, from a fantasy perspective. At the wide receiver spot, again, just uh, piling on from what I said earlier uh, on the uh, the over-under totals. Uh, the play here is T.Y. Hilton and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So one and two, but I, I'm going to be playing both of them together. Uh, to me, it just makes a bunch of sense. You, you, you get more bang for your buck out of these two than pretty much any other combo on the slate today. Uh, and you, you hope for the shootout, but you know, realistically, uh, trying to play some of these other options. Yes. I know you can play Amari Cooper, but you know, it's not exactly, uh, an easy play. So I could easily see folks fading Cooper and I wouldn't have a problem with it just because I know that it's tough to kind of get there at times. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's going to run you 6,700 on uh, FanDuel and then on DraftKings, Amari uh, uh, Cooper's uh, 7,500. So, again, some of these price points, it's really hard dealing with some of uh, the receiver prices because I don't like Keenan Allen this week. The Ravens secondary is very stout, and it's going to be hard for him to get uh, open uh, early and often. Plus, uh, you know, Doug Baldwin, even though he's been creeping up the ladder in terms of production at Disney, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean he's immediately getting offered something uh, once he's... uh, uh, It doesn't mean uh, Doug Baldwin's going to be offered up any special kind of treatment from uh, Russell Wilson just because, you know, from a standpoint of Dallas' defense, they're not going to roll over any additional coverage to the likes of Tyler Lockett. It's going to be... Straight up, play uh, uh, play defense and then have safety over the top. Uh, you know, it just doesn't uh, come across as though uh, there's going to be any easy points from the wide receiver spot. That's why I would rather just pay up for Hopkins and Hilton because I know they're going to get the volume. And then you can go cheap with the likes of uh, Dontrell Lindman, uh, Kiki Kuti. Uh, you could do even uh, DeAndre Carter. Uh, on the Texans, uh, but, uh, you know, 
you're going to have to find money somewhere, and I just think that the best spot to do it is at the wide receiver position just because there are so many options uh, there that are going to be putting up points but are near min pricing uh, to make these builds work. And then, obviously, at the end, you know, uh, you could uh, you could say what you want about tight end. It's just been an absolute mess this year and will continue to be so. I would just say, you know, play Zach Ertz and, you know, hope for the best because <laughs> there there's not a whole lot else left. Uh, I mean, yes, you can do a dart throw on the likes of Jake Jar- uh, Jarwin I mean, Blake Jarwin or uh, Trey Burton, you know, Ebron's going to be a popular play, but I, I just feel as though if you're paying up for Colts receiver, it's got to be T.Y. Hilton, not Ebron. Uh, but, uh, you know, times can change and folks can change their mind. So uh, that's uh, that's a recommendation I would uh, give you. Now, um, in terms of defenses, I like both the Colts defense and uh, the Philly defense. Why? Because from a pricing standpoint, they're both extremely cheap. Uh, the Colts are min-pricing uh, on FanDuel and Yahoo, and I love their pricing just from the standpoint of uh, it's uh, it's a case where Deshaun Watson is playing behind the worst offensive line in the NFL this year, and they just concede a boatload of sacks, at least two sacks a game they've allowed. And it's tough uh, gaining credibility with uh, a rep that is uh, that. uh, It's just more, it's just when you deal with an offensive line that bad in that type of reputation, you know they're going to give up sacks or holding penalties. So I just look at it as a case where, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of downside to playing the Colts defense this weekend, and it gives you a little bit more salary to work around with and bring some folks in. So uh, we'll see how that plays out as well this year. But, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, uh, coming uh, to a head here with uh, some of these matchups because I, I really feel as though uh, in terms of these DFS tournaments, it's going to be a case where it's, it's a split pot. I I'm struggling to think of how someone's going to have a unique enough lineup unless they just play 150 lineups and just do slight enough deviations between them uh, to hit the jackpot on one of these plays with a random player getting a touchdown. But uh, that's the way I kind of look at the slate. And, you know, uh, you already heard my pick, so we'll see how things uh, pan out. But uh, enjoy the games today, everyone, and uh, have a good one.